please turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. scripture reading this evening will be Romans 8 verses 1 through 17, but we'll be focusing in on the language of the body as is found in verses 9 through 13, but the wider context is helpful for our understanding of of those uh, particular verses. So I'll begin the reading in verse 1 and read through verse 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. you think back to the first sermon that we had in the series, you may remember that Jesus Christ is uh, the only source or the only reason for our bodily hope, that we have a bodily hope as Christians. We are those who confess the resurrection of the body, and that Jesus is the one who guarantees and secures this for us. But as we come into Romans chapter 8, we also find the centrality of the work of the Spirit, that as Jesus Christ is that one who has entered into immortality, 
It is by his Holy Spirit now that he is communicating that life to us. And so we find that the Holy Spirit is central in securing for us and working in us this bodily hope that we have. And so this evening, as we uh, consider our, our text, we're going to look at two ways that the Holy Spirit relates to our bodies. And the first is that the Holy Spirit gives life to your body, that your body is dead because of sin, but the Holy Spirit nevertheless will give life to your mortal bodies. He is the life-giving spirit, the spirit of life. But then, also, we'll find in our text that it is by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body. It is by the Spirit that there is also an execution of something related to the body taking place. So he is the, the one through whom God gives life to our mortal bodies, and yet he is also the one who enables us to execute the actions or the deeds of the body. And so we will consider this, uh, these, these two aspects to the Spirit's work, on the one hand giving life, on the other hand putting to death. Verses 10 and 11, we find this life-giving uh, aspect to the ministry. If Christ is in you, verse 10, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so we have here the statement that the body is dead because of sin. As we think about this, we need to understand that, the, that in a certain respect, the, uh, that the Christian is no longer under a death sentence. That yes, we will die, but the curse of death has been taken away, the sting of death has been taken away, and yet nevertheless there is life in a mortal body. Because of Adam's first sin, and because uh, we have uh, sin has, or death rather, has entered the world through that, that we continue to live in this, this condition where we do not yet see ourselves immediately enter into immortality upon converting to Christianity. Instead, God in his infinite wisdom has chosen that upon conversion that there should be life in the inner man while there's yet a death and a decaying and a mortality of the outer man. So even though this remains the case, though, we as Christians need to understand that the death that we die is not as a penalty. It is not as a curse. It's not that Jesus took care of most of your sins, but there's a little bit left that he didn't take care of, and that's why you still have to die. Rather, Jesus has fully dealt with sin and all of its, its uh, condemnation. And yet we are still called to die. But in Christ, it's because our relationship to death 
has been completely transformed. That death for the Christian is no longer his, his uh, as it is for the, the natural man, the man without Christ. Uh, for the man without Christ, death is the, the beginning of eternal death. It is the point at which there is no coming back, no reversal. Yet for the Christian, death has now been transformed so that it is part of his being made like Christ. For the Christian, death is part of your being reshaped and refashioned after the image of Jesus Christ. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to refashion those who belong to Christ after Christ. That it is the work of the Holy Spirit to put on display throughout the cosmos the glory of Jesus. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit is about that work is by taking the church, taking the sons of God, and conforming them after the image of Jesus, so that Jesus will be, as Paul will later state in this chapter, the firstborn among many brothers. That it is the work of the Spirit, sent from the Father and sent from the Son, to take Christians and make them look like Jesus, to refashion them after the Son of God. But in the life of the Son of God, the pattern is death and resurrection. And so now for the Christian, yes, it is true that because of sin, the body is, is mortal, the body is dead, the body is going to die. Yet the Holy Spirit transforms that death and refashions you so you begin to resemble Christ in that death, to prepare you to follow in the same trajectory that Christ himself has experienced. And so although the body is dead because of sin, this is not the end of the story, because the spirit is life because of righteousness. You could take that two ways. It could be the Holy Spirit is life. He is the life spirit, the spirit of life who communicates life. Or it could be that our spirit is alive. But either one implies the other. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life, he is that one who communicates new life to us. And if our spirit is alive, it's only because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit is life because of righteousness, because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus, having fulfilled all righteousness, now communicates that the, the Holy Spirit to his people to work life in them. And he holds out, Paul holds out this hope for the church that even though the body is dead because of sin, there is yet the life spirit, the spirit of life, giving life to our spirit, who will give life to our mortal bodies. That the Father who raised Jesus from the dead uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, will also raise us from the dead. 
that the Holy Spirit now indwells the church, now indwells Christians to pattern them after the glory of Christ. And so the body is dead, it's mortal because of sin, and yet there is the life spirit, the spirit of life who is who will quicken your mortal body, who will give life to your mortal body. This is comfort for you, because all of us at one point or another, unless Jesus returns uh, within our lifetimes, are going to have to really reckon with those words, the body is dead because of sin. There will come that moment when your spirit leaves your body, and your body begins to undergo decay. But in that moment, you may have hope because of the work of the Holy Spirit to take the very life of Christ and place it within you and to bring that work to fulfillment in the resurrection. So the Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies, and yet we also find in this text that we are called to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Verse 13, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die, but if, the spirit, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We see here there is another uh, uh, aspect to the Spirit's ministry. It's not only in vivifying the body, but it is also in uh, producing uh, a certain kind of fruit from the body, a certain kind of uh, fruit of the Spirit, a certain kind of righteous behavior that is carried out in the body. As we think about the body in Romans, it, it might be helpful to think about an illustration that Paul has used or an image that Paul has used earlier in, in chapter 7 in verses 5 and 6. And he, he speaks of the body in a way as, as though uh, it were something that, that produces fruit, or he speaks of the members of the body as something that produces fruit. And so we could think of the body as something like a field. And when this field is under the direction and cultivation of one farmer, farmer flesh, it produces a certain kind of fruit. It produces uh, fruit to be ashamed of, and it produces a fruit that ultimately leads to death, to eternal death. But when this field is under the cultivation of the Holy Spirit, a different kind of fruit is produced in the body. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That the Spirit uh, produces in, uh, within us these, these new virtues that he accomplishes. And yet the way it's depicted here is, is in negative terms of putting to death the deeds of the body. 
So positively speaking, it's, it's producing a, a fruit for God, these fruits of righteousness, this fruit of the Spirit. But negatively speaking, this looks like putting to death the deeds of the body. This is the description. All, all of humanity fits under one of, of two descriptions here. All of humanity is either under the cultivation of the flesh or the cultivating power of the spirit. For those who are in the flesh, they are bearing fruit for death. And for those who are in the spirit and in, in those in whom the spirit dwells, they are producing fruit to God. For those who are in the flesh producing these fleshly actions and fleshly deeds through the members of their body cannot please God. And they may expect death as the end of that fruit. We understand that this is precisely that, that it is fruit. It is not the ground of our salvation, and yet it is the necessary evidence of our salvation. It is the necessary evidence that we are in the spirit and not in the flesh, that the spirit resides within us. So as we consider the indispensability of the work of the Spirit to produce fruit in our lives by putting to death the deeds of the body, there's an urgent question that comes to our minds as, as Paul underscores the absolute urgency of walking according to the Spirit, of being led by the Spirit, of producing fruit by the Spirit. The question is, how do I do it? How am I led by the Spirit? How do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit in producing uh, this, this fruit that God desires? And how do I know if I'm instead um, think I'm doing what is right, but in fact am not producing this fruit, in fact am not being led by the Spirit, and, and, and am in fact being um, uh, led by the flesh? answer this question, how, how can we be led by the Spirit? We must first recognize this, that the, spirit, that the Spirit must dwell within you. You cannot be led by the Spirit if the Spirit does not first dwell within you. And how is it that the Spirit comes to reside within the believer, within the Christian? The Apostle Paul asks this very question. In writing to the Galatians, he asks them, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That it is when the Galatians heard the gospel message, when they believed with faith, when they heard that message of salvation in Jesus Christ, that God sent his own Son, that Jesus Christ offered himself on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, that he was raised again from the dead for our justification. When you heard that message, you received the Spirit. Or again, Paul says in Ephesians, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. 
And so we see that the Spirit comes upon hearing. And we, we recognize that there is a work of the Spirit prior to regeneration. There is a work of the Spirit that enables faith and that precedes us. And yet, in terms of the, the giving of the Holy Spirit in New Testament measure, Paul connects this with hearing the gospel message with faith. And so if you would walk by the Spirit, if you would be led by the Spirit, if by the Spirit you would put to death the deeds of the body, what is first in order is that you must believe the gospel. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners and that he is your Savior. That he is God the Son come in the flesh for salvation. Having believed, what are we then to do? The answer is that we must continue believing. We must do whatever we do in faith. Paul is going to say in uh, later in chapter 14 that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Speaking to a context where there is uh, those who are, are eating certain foods freely and others who whose consciences are troubled if they eat these foods. And yet they eat them, but they, they're doing so doubting, they're not sure, their, their conscience is, is accusing them as they do so. Paul says, uh, <clears throat> Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And so we understand that as we go about our lives, that whatever... And, and we'll fill this out in, in just a, a moment here, of what is the content of walking by the Spirit look like, we must first establish this, that it is done in faith. It is done looking to the perfections of Jesus Christ. It is done looking to Jesus Christ as the all-sufficient Savior. And so we can ask the question, What's the difference between a Christian being led by the Spirit and, say, a non-Christian who is trying his best to live by the light of nature? What about a Stoic philosopher who is very keenly able to read and discern from the created order something of the natural law? And so he leads what we would say from an outside perspective looks to be like an upright life. He endorses honoring one's parents. He endorses honoring authority. He uh, recognizes that murder and any action that tends towards murder, anger, is wrong, and so he shuns it. He recognizes that a marriage is to be uh, between one man and one woman for life. He recognizes that stealing is wrong, and so is bearing false witness. And he recognizes all of these things, and he he tries to order his life according to these principles, these laws. 
Is he being led by the Spirit? Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. He is not being led by the Spirit. Because he is pursuing the law apart from faith. He is pursuing the law apart from Christ. Jesus Christ is the end of the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is the one who gathers into himself all of the various strands of the law. Whether that's the, the moral precepts of the law, or whether that's the festival calendar, or whether that's the, the purity requirements that are expressed within the law. Jesus gathers it all up into himself, and he expresses the ideal of the law in himself historically. He is the end, the fulfillment of the law. And anybody who pursues the law apart from faith in the one in whom the law finds its fulfillment cannot please God. And so to be led by the Spirit, to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, is not this fleshly effort of asking, have I pleased God yet? Have I done enough? Is God happy yet? I haven't been drunk for a year. Is God satisfied yet? This is a pursuit of the law that is not in faith. You must look to Jesus Christ. You must look to that one who fulfills all of the law. Jesus Christ must be everything for you. That is to do things in faith is looking to the perfect fulfillment of the law in Jesus Christ. To recognize that we cannot do that by ourselves. That we are weak and unable to do that. And we stand daily in need of God's forgiving mercy that he has shown to us through Christ. So then, we must first have the Spirit, having believed the gospel. We must, whatever we do, we must do it in faith, looking to Christ, looking to his perfections. But then thirdly, we may recognize that we are led by the Spirit when we listen to what the Spirit has said. We are led by the Spirit when we listen to what he has said and he has spoken by the prophets. The Holy Spirit has spoken in the Holy Scriptures. Uh, scripture itself testifies to this, that as uh, the writer to the Hebrews is writing, he quotes the Old Testament, but he says, as the Holy Spirit says. Or uh, consider from Mark, David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And so we have the Holy Spirit speaking through the Scriptures. And so would we know what is God's will for us? What does it look like to um, bear the fruit of the Spirit? What does it look like to put to death the deeds of the body? The content of this is found in the law. The content of the way that God would have us to live is to be found in the moral law. 
but it is not to be pursued as a means of justification. It is not to be pursued asking the question, is God satisfied yet with me? Have I done it enough yet? Rather, it is to be pursued with a humility, understanding that this could never justify me. That God has made provision for me through his righteous son. That in him all of my sins are forgiven and the righteous requirement of the law has been fulfilled by Christ and shared and freely reckoned as my own. And he is my savior. And now in grateful response, as uh, recognizing that God is our father and we in joyful communion seek to do that which is pleasing in his sight, we seek to love our neighbor as ourselves and we seek to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So this is the path that we are to walk in this life, in the Spirit, that we are to be led by the Spirit. And integral to that is looking to Jesus Christ in faith as we seek to do those things that are pleasing in God's sight, but never as a means of self-justification. So consider that as you go about doing this, as you go about putting to death the deeds of the body, as you go about putting to death those practices and those habits that are characteristic of our former condition and characteristic of those who are outside of Christ, consider that this is the path that God would have you to walk until the resurrection of your mortal body. That until the resurrection of your mortal body by the Spirit, the path that you walk is putting to death the deeds of the body. We recognize that as we do this, it is through the, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit that both of these things are accomplished. That is the Holy Spirit sent from the Father who will give life to our mortal bodies. And it is by the Holy Spirit that we are called to put to death the deeds of our bodies. And so congregation, let us walk in faith. Let us endeavor to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Let us take the words of the Apostle Paul and make them our own, that I pummel and make my body a slave, lest I should be disqualified. We must take seriously this call to put to death the deeds of the body, recognizing that it is not the ground our justification, but it is the inevitable fruit that will come from those in whom the Spirit dwells, and it is that same Spirit who enables us to put to death those deeds, who does give life to our dead bodies. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the Spirit of life who has set us free, who has given to us Jesus Christ and communicates Christ to us, who binds us together with Christ. We thank you for that hope of resurrection, and we also thank you for that enabling power in, in the present while we look forward and while we even groan waiting for that resurrection. We thank you for the enabling power of your Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. We ask that you would lead us by your good spirit, that you would teach us and instruct us in that which is pleasing in your sight, 
above all, recognizing that that which is most pleasing in your sight is your own only Son, Jesus Christ, who is our only hope and our only comfort in life and in death. It's in his name that we pray.